season two of What the Fertility. We are super excited to be back with a second season. Um, today we have Tara with us. Um, we're sitting down and we're going to listen to her story of infertility through the years. So welcome, Tara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. So I know your story started when you were really single and you had an idea that you were going to struggle a little bit um, conceiving children. So if you want to start there, that'd be awesome. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, I am from Massachusetts originally, and um, I actually did my MBA um, when I was 34 um, while I was still working. So I did an executive MBA and I kind of knew then, um, you know, I'd always wanted to be a mom. It was no like question in my mind, um, but I was still single. Boston's not an easy place to meet people. <laughs> um, and at the time, I just wasn't making that much money. I kind of had heard about freezing your eggs and all of that, but I, you know, there's just no way I could afford it at that point in my life. Um, so while going to school, I was still working. And when I graduated, I actually just picked up and moved by myself to Denver, Colorado. So um, didn't know a single person and was hopeful that, you know, maybe I'd meet my husband here, maybe I'd make some new friends. But really, the job is what moved me out here after my I finished school. And um, I happened to get paid quite a bit more money. The MBA was a really good, a really good thing for me. Um, and I had fertility benefits now. So those two things combined, um, you know, I, I had known kind of since I was young that both my mom and her mom uh, had gone through menopause in their early 40s. So I knew I was kind of coming upon that at some point, um, but I never got tested or anything like that. I just kind of knew that in the back of my head, because even if I got tested, there was nothing I could have done about it at that point in time. Plus, if you go back to now, this is nine years ago. I mean, the technology was good, um, but I would say that's kind of when egg freezing became a little bit more popular and the technology became better, kind of the combination of the two. So I started looking into things out here in Denver and I actually started at uh, a different place than where I had um, my son. Um, I started at Conceptions, which is still pretty well known here, but, um, and I actually did two rounds of IVF on my own to freeze my eggs and literally got three eggs each time. Same thing, both times. Wow. Um, so I think I got like five total maybe, but then the two weren't mature each time. So I got three that I could freeze each so round. You do that back to back and man, you had to do that by yourself. I was going to say yeah. and solo girl, yeah, I was, <laughs> that is intense. Honestly, it wasn't like, it was more like I had to make my own like calendar because the one they give you is like a sheet of paper with like, yeah. you know, like lines. I mean, it's, it's like they made it in like 1975. It was just <laughs> like a terrible, it wasn't like a real calendar. So, I mean, I'm in finance, so I like made an Excel spreadsheet and just crossed things off, you know, I, once I would say the hardest part though, I remember the first round, um, the trigger shot that you have to do 36 hours or whatever it is before, um, I, it's really hard to like turn around and give yourself a shot. <laughs> you do it. So, um, I almost fainted in my apartment that I was in and I had to call the like hotline nurse hotline or whatever. Um, because I hit, I think I hit a vein. So I got like that weird reaction where you kind of feel like you're going to pass out. Of course, so, right. That wasn't very much fun. The second time around, I actually had them draw a circle like on my, I on did my, that too. Yeah. yeah. Because so I was weird. like, I'm not going to put it in the wrong spot again, but, yeah. um, and then I had a friend drive me both times because you can't drive yourself home. So yeah. yeah, it was quite the process. I couldn't travel. And at the time I was traveling a lot for my job. So I kind of had to make up excuses of why I couldn't go to things. So that was a little hard. 
I wasn't as open about it as I am now. I'm totally different now. I'm happy to share my story with anybody. And, um, but I think back then it was just more like, oh, what are people going to think about me? You know, Mm -hmm. I was already self-conscious about still being single and all that. So yeah, yeah. it's crazy how like in the last five years, it's become much more, I don't want to say like quote unquote mainstream, but it's much more common for women to even you know do the egg share their story people. yeah totally yeah yeah I totally okay agree. so you finished your second round of IVF and at this point you're still like mid-30s and you're like okay mm-hmm. I'm gonna freeze them for when I meet the person I'm gonna marry right <laughs> right and you know what's interesting like I dated and dated and dated uh and Denver was actually pretty easy to date it was very different than Boston but um I was always scared to like have that conversation if like things were going well with someone because guys, a lot of men don't understand, right? Mm -hmm. Especially like guys in their thirties, like why would they have a reason to know about it unless they had a friend or a family member go through it, right? So a lot of, a couple failed relationships. Finally met my husband, we actually met online um, and I met him when I was 38. So two years after living here. And um, it it was just like, kind of like we clicked right away. Um, We both worked in finance. So we kind of geeked out over that and had our first date and, you know, just, things just went really fast and we kind of just knew right away, which I never thought would happen. I mean, I was like giving up at this point. So, um, (laughs) but I actually had the conversation with him pretty early on, just that I froze my eggs and that I'm probably going to have trouble having children and et cetera. And he, he's actually a fertility baby. So what are the chances? I mean, back then it was like, um, hormones, you know, just oral hormones. Um, I don't even know what it was back then. Cause he's, so he's nine and a half years younger than me. So, he was born in 86. So whatever was popular back in the mid eighties, you know, his mom had had one child already um, and then remarried. And so Mitch is from the second marriage and um, yeah, so he's, he's from fertility hormones himself. So totally understood. Um, didn't even flinch. And I remember we were in Cabo. It was like our first vacation together and I was panicking. I was like, I got to get this out. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. I love I that. That's, yeah. That that's like, okay, I got to tell them. And what time do I tell them? That's so cool. Yeah. It feels like it was like meant to be. Yeah, it was totally meant to be. And, um, you know, we kind of, it was interesting. Like we, um, you know, he wanted to save up for like, we had talked about getting married pretty early on and he wanted to save up and all that. Um, and, he knew that it was going to be a struggle. So we kind of decided like, let's just like not pee on a stick with like all that, but like, let's just try like, and see, like, I'm not going to have take birth control anymore. Like, let's just see what happens. Um, so let's see, I met him at the end of 15 because we've been together like seven years. Yeah. That would be the right math. So the end of 15 is when I met him. And so we got pregnant the first time in let's see it would have been in like a year later um like September um yeah September of 16 and unfortunately that ended up in a miscarriage so that was my first miscarriage and then I was like okay like so at that point I'm 39 or almost yeah 39 and um I think we were like okay well you know miscarriage it was horrible like don't get me wrong like it was really hard for both of us um but we were, you know, didn't want to give up. So um, we were like, let's go try and use those six eggs that I froze. So we've tried to fertilize them and none of them, none of them made it to blastocyst, which was shocking. Cause I was like, yeah. for sure, we're going to get one out of this. Um, Cause that, that was a couple months later, like in January of 2017. And um, 
I, I think we were both just kind of like, oh no, now what? Like, what are we going to do? And so Tara, how does that work? So you guys, you go and unfreeze your eggs and then like your partner will give a sperm sample and then they just try to fertilize. And so it's mm -hmm. kind of like day zero or day one, if you were to do it real time. Correct. And I think this goes back to the whole technology thing and egg freezing and unfreezing. And they did tell me when I froze my eggs, like, you know, you'd be better off freezing an embryo. And I'm like, well, I don't want to pick a sperm donor at this point in my life. Like, what if I meet someone that mm. I can't, like, yeah. I can't undo that. Right. So I made the decision. And I also made the decision. I think this is important for people too. like, I'm going to use these eggs no matter what. Like I knew I was going to be a mom, whether it was on my own or not. Right. Or with a partner. So, and I don't think you have to make that decision, but for me, I was like, if I'm going to spend all this money and do this process, I want to make sure that I'm going to, you know, I, I had to really think about it and yeah. you know, I went to therapy and everything. And I think that really helped, you know, just as a single person, just trying to figure out, you know, yeah. what I was going to do. And I kind of said in my head, if I don't get some of my 40, then I'll probably start the process of, you know, going down the road of being a single mom by choice. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And cause I mean, you talk about the financial piece, but you have to pay for storage too, right? You had to pay for the, yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was like at the time it's, it's way more now, but I think it was like a couple hundred dollars a year. Okay, that's that's definitely yeah it's more no, that's way better yeah. yeah which I'll get to we have embryos still which I'll get to oh, yeah. oh okay yeah, yeah. down okay, the road so but um so yeah oh sorry go ahead no I was gonna say so you guys you know tried with the six eggs and at that point you were like wow now we're back to square one right and it was pretty devastating I actually got the call while I was on a work trip that they didn't oh. work and thankfully I had a friend that was at this event with me and she came over and calmed me down but it's like, you still have to go on with your life. And I think that was the hardest yeah. part, you know, and it's a waiting game. Everything is a waiting game. And, you know, I learned that from all the other things we had to do, but, um, you know, I was like, we're never going to have children. You know, I kind of went into this like dark place for a little bit, but, um, conceptions at the time was like, let's do around like you're, you're 39, like, let's see if we can get more eggs and we won't freeze them first. So the chances are higher that they will fertilize, you know, they all fertilized. It was just, you know, they didn't they make it to the stage. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we were about to do it and they're like, well, let us know when you get day one of your period. I never got day one. And that's my daughter, sailor. Oh, so I was pregnant oh naturally. Gosh. Yeah. And they were, they actually, I was, <laughs> the funny part is they're like, come in and let's do a, just do a blood draw. So I can see like where you are in your cycle, like why you haven't gotten your period. And the nurse called who I like had been working with for years. Like, and she's like, you're never going to leave this. I was like, what? She's like, you're pregnant. And I was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Amazing. I was shocked. Um, that is so exciting. Yeah. And I was like screaming in my office. I was at the time I didn't work from home. I was in the office. <laughs> oh. Like, I hope nobody heard me. Um, Cause I didn't want to tell my work people that I was pregnant, you know, cause I, I was convinced it wasn't going to work anyway, even though I was pregnant, I'd already had a miscarriage and I was like, well, it's probably going to end up in another one. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So Tara, so at that point, had you actually, did you ever get diagnosed with diminished ovarian reserve or? Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. I should have talked about that too. So um, yeah, my AMH was terrible. It was like, I don't even think it was one, it was like point something. So that was the big factor. I didn't have any signs of endometriosis or any of that other stuff. Thankfully um, it was literally just my eggs were not great quality. Yeah. I think that's like really, that's really like hopeful for others listening that do have like low AMH. Like it's not the end all be all at 40, 39, yeah. 40 years old. You got pregnant naturally. Right. Right. I mean, cool. and I, yeah. And I got, I actually got pregnant three times, which I'll get to, but oh, wow. um, yeah. So I got pregnant with Sailor, my daughter, who's now almost five and um, the whole pregnancy, I was like freaking out, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just super anxious and just mm -hmm. worried. 
I was going to have a miscarriage and, um, but she, you know, she's our little miracle and she, she's an amazing kid. And um, yeah, so I had her in um, November of 17. So, and everything, I had a great pregnancy. I mean, it was hard just as far as like, you know, just being a little bit older and more tired and all that. But, um, you know, I had no complications whatsoever. The delivery went smoothly. That's amazing. She was great. when she came out. Um, she's, you know, good. She was a good sleeper. I mean, everything was great with her. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, in our minds, we were like, okay, we're just gonna have one child. Like I was totally fine with one child and happy with that. My husband was as well. And we hadn't, we weren't even married yet. So, um, Mitch, my husband actually proposed to me when I was like eight weeks pregnant with sailor and he had already planned it. Like it wasn't, everyone's like, Oh, did you get engaged because you were pregnant? I'm like, no, it's not because we were pregnant, but (laughs) it was funny. Cause like, people just, you know, assume different things, but like everything about our journey hasn't been traditional. And I think that's totally fine, but you know, just some people just, well, why didn't you get married? But you're, you know, and it's so funny, especially cause you hadn't shared, like we're going through infertility. I actually have a close friend that she did exactly what you're doing. Like they're not engaged yet, but she knew she was going to struggle. So they actually did multiple rounds of IVF and I, they're not married either, but it's like, you have to put some things priority wise and totally. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think for us, it was like, you know, it was funny because I remember asking Mitch, like when we first met and started talking about all this, I'm like, well, do you even want kids? Like probably should start with that. Right. (laughs) Infertility problems. But he was like, you know, I never really, I I think he would have been fine either way, but he's like, I I don't think I could have I couldn't picture having children with anyone else until I met you, which is really sweet, that's you know, sweet. but it was funny. Yeah. Like, I think that's so true. Cause I think there's a lot of people that could go either way, but you know, once they meet the right person, it's, mm-hmm. you know, and he's the best dad in the whole entire earth. I mean, he's just loves the kids so much and he's so good with them and he's so hands-on. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, so after we had sailor, like she was about a year old and we're like, should we start trying again? Like, do you think, We'll have to go back for fertility stuff, et cetera. And um, we did start trying again and I did get pregnant again. And I think it was, must've been like 2018. It's hard to remember now. I think COVID kind of messes with your head and you forget like I that whole period of like 19 to now is kind of yeah. a mystery. But, <laughs> so true. Um, yeah. So uh, I did get pregnant again. And unfortunately that was another miscarriage. So interestingly, both miscarriages were at nine and a half weeks. And because they were, not super early, but not super late. I did have a DNC both times and we could test the fetuses or the cells from the fetus. Um, so the first one was trisomy 14, which is pretty rare. Um, and that it is compatible with life, but not many. I mean, I think there's like 10 kids in the world and it's just a lot of dis, you know, disfigurement and all that stuff. And then the second one was actually Down syndrome and another um, trisomy. I forget which one it was which was not compatible with life. So it's interesting. I think, you know, I never, I always heard like the older you get the higher chances for down syndrome. Um, But I never thought it would happen to me. And it was just interesting because I was like, wow, like if, if it didn't have that other chromosomal defect, you know, we would have had a child with down syndrome and that would have been great, but a whole different life. Right. So. Yeah. And I want to, I know, I feel like Amanda and I haven't been able to say like, we're so sorry for both your losses. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Pre- and then having, you know, pregnancy after loss, I know both of us can relate to that, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's really great that you were able to have the DNC and like have that information. Cause I know sometimes like you just yeah. have the loss and you, you don't know why. You always wonder like what, like, 
what if, like, what was the answers? And so right. having, I always thought it was me. Easy. I was like, well, it's me. It's my body. I did something mm-hmm. or like I was on um, a medication. I had two neck surgeries and I was like, is it because I had to come off this medication so quickly? Did that do it? Like whatever it was. And I think, you know, one of the things I learned after talking to, you know, this is kind of when I started talking to a lot more people about what was going on kind of around this time. And people didn't know that you could ask and advocate to get your fetus tested if you get a DNC, even if you miscarry naturally, like, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately it's further along, like you can actually save the, Mm -hmm. you know, the fetus and they can test it. And I think it's really important if you have recurring loss, because for me, I was like, you know, this was just, you know, unfortunately normal miscarriages, right? It wasn't something where like, you know, there's so many people that have all these other things going on, balance, translocate, you know, just so many yeah. things. Right. And I was worried that it was something they actually tested Mitch and I for chromosomal abnormalities because of that first one being kind of a rare one with the trisomy 14. And we were obviously fine, but some people can be walking around with chromosomal abnormalities and they have no idea. Know. Yeah. But I think yeah. you just have to speak up is what I learned. And I had a really great OB that, I mean, she's, she's been with me this whole time. Um, and she was, you know, really great about advocating too, and, you know, telling me what things we could do. Right. So the best point, you know, for me with multiple losses, the the DNC, we only did it so we could do the genetic testing. Cause it does, like you said, it determines your, your next step. Like, well, should Mm -hmm. we just keep trying naturally or do we really need to get like intervention medically? Right. hundred percent. Um, so after the second, um, loss, we were, you know, we decided to change clinics. So my original doctor had left conceptions and I wasn't a hundred percent with them anymore. We met with a new doctor and I was like, this person's not for me. So I'd asked my OB, um, CCRM is literally across the hall and CCRM is famous for, I mean, the yeah. one in Colorado, especially that's where Dr. Schoolcraft started. And, um, you, I mean, as you guys probably know, CCRM is kind of one of the top clinics around and I'm lucky that I live, you know, 20 minutes from the clinic. Right. So, um, so I decided, we decided to switch to them and my OB actually handpicked the doctor for me there because she had known, you know, just being in the business for a long time and she's being across the hall. She knew a lot of the folks there and she's like, I really think you should go to Dr. Barton. She has the, a personality that you're going to get along with. Cause I think I needed someone who was very honest, but also like good bedside manner because of my anxiety. I couldn't deal with someone that was like super blunt. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> um, or just, you know, like didn't have that like warm personality. So um, we met with her and absolutely loved her. And she was like, I'll let you try one more round of IVF with your eggs. I was like, okay. <laughs> She's like, that's what I was going to ask you. We had a, a, a guest on last year that was in her forties and she couldn't find a fertility specialist that was willing to work with her with her own eggs. I was wondering if you got pushback with that based off your age. I mean, she was just very honest. And so at this point, what was I? I mean, it's probably like 41 or 42. Yeah, probably 42. And she's like, you have a 10% chance of this working 10%, which is very low, but I had fertility benefits that was going to cover a big portion of it. I think the only thing the fertility benefits didn't cover was some of the medication and the genetic testing. So, which we were hundred percent going to do genetic testing and there was no question in my mind. So she's like, I'll let you do one more round. And for me, I was like, okay, what's a couple thousand dollars or five, whatever. I mean, it's a lot of money, but in my mind, I was like, if we can have another biological child, this would be amazing. So we decided to go for it. Mitch and I decided together. 
Um, and so we got three eggs. It must be just my number. <laughs> um, so this is my third round of IVF and we fertilized them and we miraculously got one embryo. I was shocked. So that went off to testing and Mitch was hundred percent convinced it was going to be, you know, normal. I was like, I'm very much a realist. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I couldn't even believe we got one embryo. Um, it had three abnormalities, three. Wow. So, um, Dr. Martin was like, you know, I really think you guys should stop this route and think about donor eggs. And she's like, I mean, you could do another round, but I, I really would suggest against it. And we were both, she's like, you're going to get the same outcome. Just knowing that I have hardly any like eggs or fall goals left. And, you know, at this point I am getting up in age too. And it's, you know, knowing that I had DOR like pretty early on, you know, my mid thirties, you know, we kind of were like, okay, we're going to stop here. And at that point we're like, what is this whole donor thing about? Like we knew nothing about it. So um, we decided to go meet with, I think it was like, I can't remember. I think we met with a genetic counselor first and then we met with the therapy folks. So you are required at CCRM to go through, um, you know, like psychological testing to make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into, which I think is great. And then you also required to talk to a geneticist because family history is very important when it comes to donor eggs, especially on Mitch's side, because you don't want to pick a donor that has potential similarities of maybe your abnormalities, I guess. That's so interesting. That's really good to know. Oh, I mean, that side of it. Yeah. So the geneticist was fascinating. I'm like, this is what I want to do in my next life. It was just like, it reminded (laughs) me of like 12th grade biology, right? Like advanced biology when you're learning about like genetics, sorry, genetics and you know, just how like things match up and how many you're supposed to have. Um, so that was a fascinating conversation. And we we're like, okay, this is pretty interesting. And then we kind of sat on it for a little bit. Um, and we were like, can we afford this? We met with the finance people and it's so, so, so incredibly expensive and nothing is covered. Well, in my case, which I'm assuming most people would fall into the same boat until the embryo is inside of you. Okay. Well, that's, so, that's interesting to know. So they basically don't cover the first part, but they will cover, well, I guess what? They cover the pregnancy. Because you're then pregnant. Yeah. 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 And I was like, wait, but hold they, on. I think then it's actually, like just regular again. Yeah. Like, I think they actually covered like the... Um, maybe like the transfer or something? The transfer. Yeah. Because I mean, technically, like, I think... Which is can, the cheap part, right? Oh, right. I think God. they can code it a certain way that doesn't need... Like the insurance doesn't need to know it was from... Like an embryo is an embryo, right? Like it doesn't need to know it was from a donor, but the donor part... That's the really expensive part. And I mean, CCRM has their own. So this is another interesting part too, is CCRM has their own database of folks that they qualify themselves. Um, Or you could go outside of CCRM and use, you know, a worldwide or a US like donor database. Um, I don't know the names of them because I didn't use them. But the thing I liked about, you know, whether it's CCRM or another clinic, if they have their own database of people is they go through extremely stringent rules and testing to even let these donors into the database. They actually said that 50 to 60% of the donors don't make it through the psychological testing and they get kind of kicked out of the program, not in a bad way, just they don't make it through the psychological testing. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I didn't realize the donor also has to go through the testing. Yep. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to be, you know, they have to have a health, like a big, you know, physical, they have to meet psychological testing, you know, whatever the standards are there. Um, and then they have to have like a pretty clean history of like family history. 
Um, just because you're not going to want a donor that has all these family history problems, you're not going to pick that person. So why have them do it? Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you want me to kind of talk about the whole like pick? Oh, sorry. Let me back up one, one step here before I talk about picking the donor. Um, so we kind of sat on it for a year. COVID happened. So this was like, you know, nobody knew that COVID was going to happen. And so it's 2020. We're like, should we do this? Like, where are we going to get the money from? Um, you know, I mean, it was, I think it was about 40,000 or so. So, I mean, it, it's pretty much the same as if you adopted, right? I mean, I think that's about what you'd pay for an adoption be between the lawyers and all that stuff. Um, and that covers the money that's going directly to the donor for donating their eggs and all of their medical procedures, the psychological testing, all of that. And it's um, not like a hundred percent guarantee. So that is just like, no, wow. nothing's a, guarantee. a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was just thinking, cause I'm so used to hearing Amanda's story, but this is just for the egg, right? So you don't even guarantee that it's going to even fertilize. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I did not realize how, I knew it was expensive, but I didn't know. Yeah. That expensive. And it could be well, different in different states. Sure. Maybe yeah. Colorado, but and that's for like a set number, right? Like, is it? Yeah. Six? How many eggs? So, yeah. So um, they group them. So you can either do frozen or fresh. So the difference between that is if you choose a donor that you want to do fresh, you get all of their eggs because you're literally getting their eggs as they are retrieved and they'll be fertilized fresh, not frozen. Mm -hmm. Or you can choose a donor that's already had their eggs frozen and they're already in the database but there's a difference in cost you pay more for the fresh obviously mm -hmm. but it's it's like maybe five to ten thousand dollars more which in the whole scheme of things like I guess that's not, <laughs> when you're already spending that much what's another five what's another five thousand right <laughs> I mean it's insane but um the, the thing is with that is um I think we were trying to save a little bit of money but also there was just no fresh donors that we were interested in so we chose frozen but um they sell them in lots of eight and then like say a donor got 27 egg or 27 eggs out of their retrieval. So if you divide that by eight, you know, you get three lots of eight, right? But then you have a couple extras. So you can buy the extra if there are extras that don't fall into that lot of eight. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so anyways, we sat on it for about a year. And then we were at brunch one morning just with our daughter during COVID in like a little greenhouse, like with masks on. And, you know, my husband just looked at me, he's like, what? we should just do this. Like, why are we waiting? And I think the whole thing for us, it wasn't, I think we were okay with the donor thing for the most part. Um, except that Mitch and I didn't realize we weren't hundred percent on the same page of what we thought each thought each other would go through, um, which I'll explain in a second. But the bigger part was the finance part of it. We were like, where are we going to get this money? Where is it going to come from? And, you know, I mean, I have a good job. I could do well, but that's a lot of money. Right. So like, let's just figure out, we'll take it out from somewhere. We'll pay it back eventually, you know? So we're mm -hmm. like, okay, we have the money part. Like we'll, we've got that figured out. And so we decided to go to meet with the therapist. Finally, the one that CCRM requires you to meet with. And that honestly was the, what made our decision to move forward. And I think, I think every clinic should do that. I I've heard other podcasts and other people tell their stories. And I think some places they suggest it, but it's not required. And I think it sh should be because Mitch thought I would look at so being, having a biological kid and then having one that was not biological me, right? He was worried that I would look at our son or daughter or whatever ended up being, and then look at Sailor and just be like, well, Sailor looks, I mean, my daughter looks just like me. 
and just have these like weird feelings about it. Right. Or be like sad. And I never really felt like that. I was just worried about like how to explain to now Jensen, our son, like how we have a biological child. You're not my DNA, but I carried, I was more worried about the conversations and like, not what people would think at this point in my life, I could care less what anybody thought, but it was more just like, I was nervous about like explaining it even to sailor that we're going to have another child, but he's going to be half biologically connected to you know it's more just like confusing in my head yeah and it wasn't that I was going to look at him and not think I was connected to him so I think that's something that you know my story is a little different because most people that use donor eggs most of them don't have any children yet Mm -hmm. we know a couple people now um that do that were on the same path as us that had a biological first and had secondary infertility but um so anyways, yeah. So, um, and they also ask if you want to join a donor support group, which I think was so, so important for us too. So CCRM has an amazing support group, like every once a month on Saturday mornings, we would go to a coffee shop while my daughter was at dance and Mitch and I would sit and join the support group. And we were very open to sharing our journey. And I, you know, the, the um, two therapists actually run the group from CCRM. So I think even one of them we met with to pass the test or whatever, but that therapy session was great because Mitch and I realized that we weren't just communicating exactly what we were feeling. And we're like, oh, we are on the same page like about it. Yeah. Shout out to your husband, Mitch. That's awesome. I've had chills for the last five minutes, you telling your story. And I know like, I didn't want to interrupt you because it's really, (laughs) Um, but that's awesome that like, I can just picture you guys sitting there and he's like the one that kind of initiated like, let's do it. I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like he was just more worried about my mental health around the whole thing. I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's, it's biologically, you know, his child, but not mine, but you know, and I think it's a carry and yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. it's, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. I don't care who you are, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just difficult. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we decided, you know, after we met with the therapist there to move forward, we joined the support group. So all these things kind of like helped us along the way. Um, and then we were like, okay, we got to pick a donor. <laughs> so that was kind of the next step in the process, which was way harder than I thought it would be. So at the time, I just wasn't like loving any of the choices, but I didn't want to go outside of CCRM. I just, I didn't want to get, I felt like there was just so much information. Like literally when you pull it up, um, it literally is 20 pages of information on the donor. Oh like my god. Everything goodness. from like their family history. Like, has anyone in your family had any issues from cancer to high blood pressure to diabetes? I mean, whatever you can think of. It asks them like if they had acne as a child, when they had their first period, if they have any living children, like um, and then they have to answer like essay questions, I would call them. Um yeah. and those were, you know, why are you doing this? Um which some of them were very honest, like I'm doing this because of the finances, but I also know someone that went through fertility issues and I wanted to help. Like, you know, it just depends. Right. And I some love of them- that you got to know that. I always wondered, um, cause we used a sperm donor and we don't know that like answer. Okay. It's not in our profile. You adopted an embryo, right? I did. Yes. Oh, okay. But this, so- it, they use the sperm donor, the embryo. Yeah. So the egg don't, like- so I know the egg donor and the sperm donor is anonymous. So they don't know this. We don't know who this. Uh, okay. Yeah. But so we don't good, know that answer. I would love yeah. to know, like I'm that's imagining in my point. head, maybe, yeah. money, but I don't know the actual. Yeah. Answer. That's a really good point because we specifically chose a donor that was open to meeting our son at 18. Yeah. So there, 
these donors have a choice. It's at 18, but it either has a check mark like I'm okay with yes or I want to be anonymous. No, forever, yeah. which no one's really anonymous forever anymore because he's 23 and me. <laughs> but we uh, we specifically picked um someone that was open to it because we wanted him to be able to meet that person someday. Yeah. And Annette, she actually said in her profile, and it wasn't even a question, but she wrote in there, um, I pro- I don't plan on having kids myself. I mean, she's only 23, so she clearly could change her mind, but, um, and she was a chef and just kind of had like a cool like life with her boyfriend and stuff. But she was like, I'm very open. If your child ever wants to meet me, great. If they don't, that's cool too. Like, and I was like, that's just really cool that at 23, she has the maturity to know like how she feels about it. Yeah. That's um, amazing. So yeah. So um, interestingly though, she's not the first donor we picked. <laughs> so we picked a different one. And they hadn't, so we had trouble, like, cause I wanted someone blonde hair, like kind of looked like me. Um, I was hoping for blue eyes, but it wasn't a requirement. <laughs> um, and just kind of, you know, had my similarities. I wanted someone that was educated. You know, there were just some things that I preferred. Um, and look, so it took me like a month and I would like pick them out and then show them to Mitch. Cause otherwise you're like looking at like a hundred things and you know, a lot of them, like you can filter the database, like, because, I mean, there was every nationality, African-American. I mean, whatever you can think of was in there. I'm sure, um, like, coming from, like, the adoption side and my experience with that, and maybe Amanda can jump in. I'm sure it started off very exciting. Like, oh, my gosh, I get to go through all this. And then I'm sure it became very overwhelming. Totally. Yeah, it was very overwhelming. And so, yeah, we narrowed it down. And actually, the there's a database coordinator. Like, that's literally someone's job at CCRM, which is probably a, a lot of work, I presume. Um, and she was so willing. She was like, let me just see if there's anyone coming up that might be a better fix. I was like, I just don't love, there's nothing in here that I love. I had a couple that I was okay with. Oh, and you can also see a couple pictures of them as a child and a baby. Some put their, in a, like an adult-ish picture, but um, ours did not. So I also was like, oh, well, that kind of looked like me as a baby a little bit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was looking at the pictures too. So um, she picked, like handpicked for someone for us. And I was like, this person's perfect. But she's like, she hasn't um, done the egg retrieval yet, but she'll, she's due to do it in like December or something. So this is like December, 2020. She gets COVID. No. <laughs> she literally got COVID the day before, like you have, you couldn't go in for your egg retrieval until you had a, a negative COVID yeah. test. So her whole egg retrieval got canceled. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not happening. So we had waited all these months and I was like, for her. I want to do this now. I want to do this now. Like, I don't want to wait any longer because yeah. you know, I'm getting older and yeah, you know, I, I was already a timeline weird yeah. about being pregnant at 44. So not weird, but I was like ner- a little nervous, you know, four years later and all that. So she's like, we don't have any data. We, this has never happened. So we don't know if those eggs are good. Like this is pre-vaccination and everything. So I was like, I don't want to be the test case for. I didn't even think oh, about that. Right. Like, eggs, we're so right? far away from COVID, you're like, whatever. Yes. But I didn't even think about yeah that part of it. Yeah, me either. So we decided not to use her and literally picked a new donor. So I hadn't looked at the database in three or four months, and there was a whole bunch of new people in there. So we picked someone in like a day when it took me like a month. And this is that's who Jensen is. You know, is I'm like so it's all meant to be. Then I know I'm staring at his picture behind. I know. Time I know, and that's like, like so long ago too. Yeah, like I'm so happy she got COVID. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I know. Sorry, and it's so funny. So the whoever one, you are, one funny thing about it was is that she's really short. Um, she's five feet tall, and Mitch is almost—he's like six three and a half. And so he was oh, like, 
I don't care if he's short, but like, I just want, I don't want him to be shorter than Sailor. Like, can we talk to the geneticist? Like, there's got to be a math equation for this. It was oh so my funny. Gosh, that we actually like did a meeting quickly before we chose her. And they're like, the average is like 5'10 or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, he wasn't going to be mad if he was yeah, short, but it was just more about like, I just, you know, I'm so tall. And like his whole family, like his dad and his brother, like everyone's really tall. So anyways. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we used that donor. They, so we bought, they, they had lots of eights. We bought one lot of eight and then we, let's see, we ended up with 11 total. So yeah, she had three that weren't part of a lot. So we bought those extra three, um, which was you know more money, but we were like, we had talked to a couple of people from the support group and they were like, it's still a numbers game. They still have to fertilize. They still have to make it to blastocyst. And then we chose to do genetic testing because Again, you're already spending all this money. What's another $5,000? And oh. why would, you, in my mind, I don't want to take a chance. I'm getting older. I don't want to have to do this again. Like, yeah. And going through I mean, everything you already went through with miscarriages and abnormalities, like, totally. I'm sure just give you peace of mind. Yeah. So I think we started with 11, I think eight or nine fertilized. It's hard to remember because it was so long ago now. Um, And then we got five let's see eight or nine fertilized I think we got five or six embryos they went to genetic testing we got I want to say four normal or three normal and then like two mosaic or something like that so I think we had five which was good I mean that's great yeah. pretty great outcome yeah oh, yeah I know I just have a quick question how fast is this process so like okay you chose her <laughs> you said yes okay we want to take the 10 eggs like you're the one and then yeah. oh, okay so since, since they were already frozen we didn't have to wait very long so we just had to wait so Mitch had to go give a sample again so yeah I mean that was pretty we just had to get on the calendar because you didn't have okay, to wait yeah. for my cycle because I wasn't doing anything right now That's right true. so and you were gonna get them to wait, tested like, anyway so a whole month yeah so but the testing takes like three weeks the fertilization you know that's another week so this is yeah. probably like because I think this all happened January, February, and we did the transfer in April. So, because then we did have to wait for my cycle, right, to do yeah. the transfer. So, and I had to like go on birth control so they could time everything, you know, that yeah. whole, that whole drill. So, yeah. So if we hadn't waited, you know, for the first person, this would have probably happened the year, be, you know, the end of the year before, but you know, it is what it is. Everything yeah. happens for a reason. Oh, for so. Sure. Okay, so you had the three normals and then two mosaics. You had five. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and then, so we weren't, so we didn't find out when sailor was, um, when I was pregnant with sailor, if she was a boy or a girl, so we were going to do the same thing again and just be surprised. But when we asked Dr. Barton, um, when we got back, oh, so yeah, when we asked her, she was like, well, they're all, you have both genders of the same. Cause I was like, can't you just put the highest graded one in? And she's yeah. like, well, you have both genders of the same. We're like, oh, well that, then you gave us our, you know, now we know we have a boy and a girl. A and a girl yeah. Yeah, so the, out of the three that were normal, we had a boy and a girl that were both exactly the same, like six right. AB or whatever it was. And then we had one that was just a little bit lower, but still really good. And then the other two were mosaic. So I think we had out of the three normals, two boys and a girl. So, you know, Mitch was like, I'd really love to have a boy, but I'm happy with either. And then I was like, I really would love for her to have a sister because I had a brother. Which <laughs> oh, that's hard. Yeah. I know. But we did end up choosing a boy. So we knew from the beginning. And so yeah, so then we started preparing for the transfer and, um, you know, waited for my cycle and, you know, I was nervous because, you know, being in the support group, you hear like my transfer didn't work. The first one didn't work. Like, 
But Mitch kept reminding me, which is a really good point. And I had already been pregnant three times. So I knew that I could get pregnant. Like some of these people had never been pregnant before. Um, or they had other things going on. Like my insides, my uterus is totally fine. Like it's just my eggs were not great, you know? So, I mean, I was like 50, 50 on it, but I remember that weight was awful. The two week weight was terrible. And that day, like, so I went in for the blood test. I was like the first person in there. I drove all the way out to their like lab in Lone Tree, which was kind of far, um, in like a it was like snowing or something. I don't even remember. Um, and they're like, well, since you're the first one in, like, you'll probably get a call early and it's like 12 o'clock, one o'clock. I'm like pacing my office. Like, (laughs) why isn't anybody coming? So I was told that my nurse who I've become like friends with now, right? Like, she's like, I just texted her the other day, pictures of the baby. Um, I was like, well, she said she was going to call me. She hasn't called me. So the phone rang and it was Dr. Barton. I'm like, nope, it's not good news. Why is the doctor calling me? It's never good news when the doctor calls you. Right. Like, well, so I was like, it's not good news. Right. I didn't even let her talk. Right. I didn't even let her say a word. She's like, what, what, why are you saying that? And I was like, well, you're You're calling calling me. Yeah. You know? And my husband's like downstairs, like doing something. And so I start walking, I'm like halfway down the stairs. He's halfway up. And I put her on speaker and she's like, you're pregnant. And I like fell down. Like I like sat down on the stairs and I was like, so I was like, what are you sure? Like, oh, I did not. I just thought because it was her, like it wasn't going to be positive. Yeah. So. I think yeah, I have so- postpartum hormones because I'm like crying, almost crying. Oh, oh, no, it's so sweet. I literally so can just like picture this whole yeah. entire yeah. thing. Right yeah. Head. I like almost like fell down the stairs. Um, and it was just like so amazing. And um, yeah, so that was April of 2021. And I had like an okay pregnancy. Like I was pretty nervous. So like they actually, thankfully my doctor was great about this and I had a MFM, you know, because of being, so I wasn't high risk the first time, even though I was 40 because it wasn't IVF and it was, everything was fine. But because of it being IVF and my age, the combination of that makes you kind of qualify for that. But I would have pushed for it no matter what, um, which I also think is important because I've seen so many people say, I didn't know that I could ask for a high risk OB and my, like them to work together. It's just so funny. Like doctors just don't tell you this stuff. I mean, I have a great OB, so it all like was great. And I knew like, so I started going to both her and the high risk. And so we had so many scans and my OB was the same for sailors. So she knew like that I have major anxiety, just I'm an anxious person in general, um, functioning anxious person, but very anxious. <laughs> but I think a lot of it's because of what happened, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So every time I went in, she would bring in like the terrible, like wheeled out scanner thing. Like, you know, the one that you can like kind of see the pictures, but it's not the fancy one in the big room. Yeah. Um, Cause I was like, I need to see the baby. Like, so she would do that. And then I had a bunch of appointments with the MFN and everything was fine. Like, I mean, I was miserable. My back hurt. I had terrible allergies. I couldn't breathe. Like probably a lot what everyone else goes through. (laughs) So everything was great up until 36 weeks. Um, And of course my blood pressure spikes, which I forgot that with IVF, like preeclampsia is a much higher risk and age. Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that either. Yeah. Um, So I mean, I was totally fine. My blood, every time they checked it, it was fine. 36 weeks. It was like really high. And she was like, all right, we're going to monitor you for another week. But if it doesn't go down, he's got to come out. Um, And he was okay. We did the non-stress tests and all that. And he was fine. But, um, you know, we were just like, oh, like, 
this is a little bit scary for me because you can like have a stroke or oh, yeah. I mean, it, was high. it was like 175 or something or 180. Oh, it was wow, high. Yeah. Um, and so um, I kind of just tried to take it easy that last week. So I went in for my 37 week and it was like 190 or something. And oh. she's like, and I even got like the cough to do at home, but she was like, no, like, you're not going, you're not even going home. Like you're going the hospital, like the office is connected to the hospital where I delivered. And she's, I'm like, no, I need to go home. Like, I don't have a backpack. She's like, I told you to pack a bag last week. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, dang it. Oh my gosh. Like, that is like my nightmare. It's so funny. Second kid, like you don't, you're like, ah, oh, bag. Oh, what do I need? Like, yeah. like, I don't need a bag. Um, so they like, let me go home for like an hour. Fast? <laughs> yeah. Then we go home for like an hour and she's like, well, we're going to monitor you. We're going to send you to the hospital, monitor you, but like, you might be able to go home if it goes down. But she's like, don't plan on going home. Yeah. So, and I, I knew, and like, you just have a gut feeling. I'm like, this is happening this week. Like I'm not. And so we had to fly my mom out. Cause we were like, and I had a backup plan of like where sailor was going to go. Cause we don't have family here. My parents live in Massachusetts and Mitch's parents live in Iowa. So we were like, how do we get my mom here in like 24 hours? So we got a plane ticket, got her here. Literally had, I had like I was like, you got to get a taxi. Like, I can't get, like, I'm in the hospital. I can't pick you up. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch is in school full time. So, like, he was at school. We sent Sailor to our neighbor, who was amazing. She got to have, like, a slumber party with one of her best friends. And, Aww. like, she bought her, like, matching pajamas and stuff. She had a ball. Um, And my mom got here, like, picked her up from school. And, like, that was it. So, they, I got to the hospital. And they're like, it's not going down. We have to put you on magnesium. I don't know if you guys have experiences I have, I have friends re- that recently the magnesium drip I've heard is like worse than the actual birth and labor oh totally it feels like you have the flu and then it's supposed to lower your blood pressure but guess what if they give you like they have to play around with it so if they give you too little then they got to give you something to make it go back up and then you keep feeling like you're going to pass out like it was awful oh, so that, gosh, that sounds horrible I'm so sorry yeah so that was like Tuesday and then um into Wednesday and then they're like, okay, it's finally like where it should be, but we got to keep you on the magnesium. And they're like, we're going to start inducing you. Cause we're like, we got to get him out. Like it's time. And he was 37 weeks at this point. So they weren't like, he was big enough. They weren't like worried about him having problems. And That's all technically, that. Is 37 weeks technically full term? Yeah. He wasn't considered a preemie. Yeah. It's right at 37 weeks. You're, you're totally accurate on that. And I think, um, I was going to be induced at 39 weeks anyways, which is what happened with Sailor because of my age. And they say like, there's some data and studies that have been done where um, there's a higher risk of stillbirth for older moms. Well, Sarah, all that's, that's why I got induced. It's called, what is it? Uh, the rise or arrive study, which I know is like very I think controversial, that's what, but yeah. yeah. Same. But I trusted my OB and, yeah. you know, Sailor was, I was induced with Sailor. So like, I, I totally knew I was going to be induced again. I didn't think it was going to be in 37 weeks, but you know, I was fine with that. Um, so they started inducing me on Wednesday. And of course, like I remember with Sailor, it took like two days. I was like, me this too. Is not, I wasn't dilating. I wasn't, I, cause I know people that got induced, but they were already at like 40 weeks and they had the baby eight hours later. That's yeah. never happened mm-hmm. for me. I, I was literally listening to you say you got induced with sailor and then you're going to do it again. I'm like, wow, you had some, um, you were brave because yeah, inducing is not fun. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's if I would not do fun. That. Yeah. Well, and like by that point I'm on the magnesium, so I can't even walk around. Yeah. Cause I'm attached to the pole. Oh yeah. And I think by that point I probably had a catheter because once they give, yep. so I started having contractions pretty early on in the induction, which was different than with sailor. And they were bad. So I was like, where's the drugs? Yeah. My epidural now. <laughs> like, my as soon as you get the epidural, you can't go anywhere because you have the catheter and can't walk around. So yeah. 
Um, so we this time around hired a doula, which was amazing. Um, I didn't even really know about doulas when Sailor was born. And Rose, which is where we had um, both children, has their own doula program. So that was great. I called her too early, though, because she could only work for like 12 hours, which do you blame her? Oh like, my God. Shift. So you're like, and oh, I had to send her home. Her. Like she had to go. She had another job she went to. So she stayed with me all night, which actually worked out fine because it allowed Mitch to sleep. I have a bad neck and I was having like cramps and contractions and all that. So she literally just talked to me all night because I couldn't sleep. Yeah. She, kept company. Uh-huh. she rubbed my neck and she had been like, she was more of like a yoga kind of like breathing kind of gal. And that's what I wanted. Just someone yeah. to calm my nerves. Um, um, yeah, for it sure. It was perfect. I would highly recommend. You just got to find the right person. Because um, we had, like, are the best. Yeah. Um, but I sent her home and I'm like, like we can send another person because we were willing to pay, you know, for someone else to come. But by that point, I was like, I think I was getting dilated. I'm like, this, by the time they get here, it's going to be too late. Like, I'm going to be already having him. So I think I had him at like 12 or something on Thursday. I have, um, I don't even really remember pushing. Like it was, I remember sailors much more because it was like my first time, but this one, I was like, oh, I kind of know what to do. Like it didn't take as long. I think it was because my body knew what to do. Yeah. He came out, he had the cord wrapped a little bit. So at first he was like, like kind of bluish white, Mitch said, I didn't, I couldn't see him. Um, so they took him over right away, gave him a little oxygen, you know, they Mitch didn't get to cut the cord because they had to hurry up and like get it off of him. Um, but he was totally fine. I start crying. They can't get the placenta out. I don't know if you guys had this problem with IV. Well, you had IVF because you had the embryo adoption. Yeah, right? I had a C-section. Oh, you had a C-section. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, they push on your stomach. Did you have? I had, yeah. I had okay. a, it's more, yeah, vaginal, not, but not IVF. So it, the placenta, oh. I thought I was, I was really nervous about that part about like delivering the placenta, but like, yeah, this came out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was like the worst, like 45 minutes. And I was like, I'd rather what? give birth again. After giving birth, push, it was 45 like, minutes. Literally pushing on my stomach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, this part's not great either. This is kind of the sad part about the whole thing. But so anyways, they finally were like, okay, I think we got it all out. Let's bring in the ultrasound machine to make sure that um, we got it all out. So they scan, I can see like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what I'm looking for, but it looks like it's all out. The doctor's like, it's all out. So they're like, let me give you some like medicine to like some like um, stuff in my IV just to like calm me down. And like, it had been a long couple days. I hadn't slept, like go take a nap. So Mitch was like, all right, I'm going to go home, show Sailor all the pictures, take a shower and I'll be back. I want you to sleep for a few hours. Just so I'm alone in the room. So I'm alone. And I like, I'm like, oh, finally I can lay on my side, like stretch out. Like, um, I just feel this like gosh, come out of me. And I'm like, can't be amniotic fluid, can it? Like I already gave birth. And then I start to feel myself like passing out. And so I hurried up and pressed the button. I'm like pressing it, blood everywhere. Just oh blood and blood. So I start hemorrhaging. I'm hemorrhaging. Yeah. I lost almost two liters. I think like a liter and a half of blood. And they're like, code white, code white. And I'm like, what does that mean? And so I guess like, not and then your anymore. husband left. So he had just left. I'm oh. like, where's Mitch? Where is he? So, I mean, these nurses like now are like my best friends at this point because I've been with them for like three days and they're like, where is he? And I'm like, he just left to go see Sailor and show her the picture. Call him. He needs to get back here. We got to take you to the OR. You're hemorrhaging. You're going to need a blood transfusion. I'm going to take out your uterus. I'm like, what is, what, what is happening while yeah. you're passing out yeah yeah while I'm passing out they made me sign like a, I don't even remember signing this but like I just signed a piece of paper that said it was okay to take my uterus because we we knew we were done but I was also yeah. like 
I just want to live. Oh. I don't care. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, if I hadn't pressed the button, I don't know what would have happened, but yeah. I mean, I definitely could have died for sure. Absolutely. So, That's super That's serious. So scary. Yeah. So, like, I guess what happened was is there was a tiny little piece of placenta still left. And it's not the doctor's fault or anyone's fault. It just happens, That's you know? Right. And they were like, code white, code white. And so, the, like, 12 people rush in the room. And it's like the movies. They unhook me. Mitch, we get a hold of Mitch. He had just like gotten in the car. So he was only like two seconds away. And he runs back up. He's like, what is going on? And I'm like, I'm bleeding. I'm hemorrhaging. And they're like, we have to do a DN- uh, DNC to get the placenta out. But if we can't make you stop bleeding, we have to take your uterus out. So they're like, just be prepared. And I was like, I don't care. So they sedate me, but not enough that I can't hear them. So I'm still awake, which is fine. They did that purposely, I think, so I could like, yeah um talk if I needed to I don't know I don't know but why still, they did that ah. but it was like in the movies like they're rushing me down the down the hallway to the double doors <laughs> what is happening and they do the DNC and they're like we think we got it or no we got it all but you're still bleeding so they had to like keep me on the operating table for like an hour no one goes and updates Mitch they leave him in the room with blood my blood all over the floor he has PTSD so to this day how traumatic he called my mom and his mom and said, I don't know if I'm going home by myself with the baby. Like, am I going to be a single dad? Like, it was awful. Like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't cry. see any of it. So like, I, I just remember the, like, am I going to die part? I just remember, like, I kept trying to talk to the nurse and then I was so sedated that like, kind of sounded like I was drunk or something. Mm-hmm. But I just, I think I finally said in the operating room, did someone go tell Mitch that I'm okay? And they did. I think they were just so concerned about me. It wasn't like they, sure. they yeah. just kind of forgot about him, unfortunately. And like it's an hour of, to the medical team probably was nothing compared. Well, to and there were so many people in there. Like they were all with me. Like I think I had three anesthesiologists, like two doctors and like three or four nurses. I mean, there were tons of people. So finally, like they stopped the bleeding and then I'm in recovery forever. So I hadn't even met Jensen yet. <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh, no. so I didn't we didn't even I think we named him right away but like so we knew his name but like, yeah I hadn't met him really and so I'm like kind of holding him while they're like taking care of me while I'm in recovery so yeah it was crazy but um I ended that up being scary yeah so you kept your just, uterus I'm assuming what you they didn't take your uterus no I have my uterus but I'm not having any more kids so, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I have it but it's not yeah, so we still have, yeah we still have the two normal embryos on ice I don't I mean if we changed our mind down the road we would use the surrogate probably but I don't think I think we're done I don't know what we're gonna do with them I you know we just haven't had that conversation really and we're just still in like baby phase and all that so um, your son Jensen is one, a little over one he'll be one on December no he'll be one December 2nd oh yeah. wow congratulations I know that is quite the quite the journey to get your two kiddos who I've just been staring at this whole time yeah. you. so stinking cute oh my goodness you know? yeah so it's been an amazing journey and I'm just trying to be an advocate for others and you know I just like I said I you know wanted to do this to you know help other people I'm happy like if anyone wants to reach out to me they can yeah. um, I'm happy to share my contact info um I've been a resource my husband and I have been resources through the donor support group we're not part of it anymore because once you have your child you get kicked out of it which I get um I wish they did something for like after but you know you can do that on your own I guess but um you know I've been a like kind of like someone that folks that are kind of wondering what to do to call and I actually just had one of the ladies that CCRM gave my number to reach out to me um that wanted to talk again so um That's I'm gonna amazing. be talking to her tomorrow 
but yeah, yeah. we're just trying to be very open about it. We've, you know, told, we bought a book. Um, there's a book that an Australian author wrote. I think it's called the egg donation story. So we read that to sailor. I had the conversation. We both had the conversation with sailor. I was so nervous, but she's so smart. She told like, you know, even today she was like, Oh, you're doing a podcast. And she knows what those are. And she's, I love okay. it. And she's like, oh, you're going to talk about the eggy that we got for Gen C? And I was like, yeah, oh, we got eggies for Gen C. Oh, my gosh. And- I adore that. Well, we will ta- We will drop your um, Instagram handle. I know it's private. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just drop it in the notes um, if people want to, like, yeah. reach to you. Yeah, like, just tell them the three. Right? You, can, you can still send a message if you t- um the three dots at the top. Even oh, if you're okay. private, you can still send a message. Oh, perfect. I just yeah. something. But I can give you guys, I'll email you guys my contact info if someone wants to email me oh, or text awesome. me. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, thank so you so much, it. Tara. I am so excited to to publish this and air it and for both yeah. of your kids to hear this one day. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. Um,